Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. What's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I'm your friendly neighborhood finance professor, uh, but uh, but I'm not just Dr. Boyce. I like to come in as Uncle Boyce every now and then and talk to you about the things that matter in life. And one of the most important things that matters in life, whether you're talking about economics or anything else, is uh, relationships. And uh, relationships and family are one of the critical keys to wealth, one of the things that uh, gives you a chance to survive in the next generation. Uh, the one of the ways to acquire and to maintain your assets. And uh, there are some people who feel that black love has been under attack, that black love has been threatened for a very long time, ever since slavery, divisions on the plantation. And uh, so I want to uh, welcome you guys uh, to this conversation. Uh, DrBoysTV.com is the home for intelligent black people. So if you're not black and intelligent, you may want to get out of here. Uh, so do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Shout out what city you're from. Let us know what city you're from. And uh, I want to say hello to Erica Mack and uh, Sun Man and DDS and and uh, Abdur and uh, Jake Neely and, and uh, Reginald Smith and everybody else. And uh, also, don't forget, when we begin this conversation, first thing I want you guys to know from the jump is that we are black first. Hashtag B1. Put a hashtag B1 in the chat if you agree. Black first means that we put our community first. It means that we save ourselves before we save anybody else. It means that we also realize that we must be one in order to become successful. So if you agree with this philosophy, then put a hashtag B1 in the chat. Put your hashtag B1 uh, in the chat if you agree with that perspective. And uh, what's going on, Jake? I see he says, greetings, Uncle Boyce. Well, good, greetings to you, too. All right. So um, so let's just jump right into the conversation. Uh, let me introduce our guest so far. I think Ro... Um, Ro uh, Granyanwa is coming in. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard from her this morning, but uh, Noma Langa's here. Noma Langa Mushali Moses uh, is a contributor to Fly Nubian Queen TV.com. Uh, I see uh, John F. Thomas. He's in the building. Uh, what's going on, John? And um, also Chanel Walker, a.k.a. Madam President. Uh, she's the CEO and founder of the Freedom Company and also just a really cool lady. So I'm going to say hello to all the panelists. How's everybody doing today? Morning, Dr. Watkins. Pretty good. All right. Good to see you. All right. Hey, Noma. Good to see you. Noma's all the way in Botswana, by the way. So if you wonder why the panel's early in the morning, it's because uh, Noma and Ro on a different time zone. So Noma, tell Ro that if she makes me get out of bed this early in the morning, she better be the first one here. So, <laughs> all right. So um, so let, let's get it cracking. Let's jump in. All right. So let me ask a question. I want everybody to give me a yes or no in the chat uh, based on how you feel about this question. Um, is black love either dead or dying? Uh, give me a yes or no in the chat. If you feel that black love is either dead or it's dying or it's on life support or it's been it's in critical condition in the ICU or black love got coronavirus or, you know, where it's probably going to recover, but it could die. Or if black love has, you know, like late stage cancer, like like tell, give me a yes or no. If you think black love is sick, like sick or dying or dead. Um, and so then I'm going to start with my ask my panelists. And so um, I'm going to start with um, uh, the. The, the, I'm gonna start with the eldest in the room, but she also is, is she looks like she's a 25 year old, so it don't it don't really count because a black doesn't crack. Uh, so no Malanga, um, as a person who uh, actually wasn't born in America, but you, but you did you, you've married an, uh, an African American man, so you know black culture very well. Uh, is black love dead or dying or sick? Um, I actually think it's not even close to dead or dying. I think that would do a very good job of delineating. Um, between a lot of dysfunction and what real black love is. So it can sometimes seem like it's dead or dying or that we're attacking each other, but we are separating ourselves from those who are not fully committed to the building of black families, uh, black wealth and the black community. 
Mm, okay. Mm. All right. Um, so uh, next, um, Chanel. Um, Dr. Watkins, I 100% say no. Black love is alive and well, and it's definitely taking jogs in the park, and it's eating its vegetables, and it is doing very well. Black love is alive and well. It is not dead, nowhere near it, and it's actually, it's it's infinity. It ain't going nowhere, and um, I think a lot of times when you think of black love or anybody who feels like it's dead or in the ICU, I believe that they're looking at it from a white supremacist standard, but black men Men and black women love each other, and our love is nowhere near dying. Hmm. John, uh, I believe that black love is is there, but it is it is struggling. It's 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 dying, and uh, the reason why I say that is because you can kind of see uh, in our communities where you know the black men have been taken from the homes, uh, put in jail. So it's hard to cultivate that love when. You're, you're separating families. You know, you're, you're taking a man away from the home. And also in the media, we're constantly shown in commercials, whether it be commercials, TV, uh, movies, where they're constantly showing like interracial couples, even with some of our biggest stars like Will Smith or Denzel Washington, you rarely see them with a black wife, a black woman, a black girlfriend, whatever the situation may be, they're typically with a Hispanic woman, a white woman mostly, and they don't want to show that because they don't want to empower us, kind of like with the shows we used to watch with uh, like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, you know, showing that black love family matters. Uh, Bill Cosby, probably one of the best examples of showing that black love uh, and we're with a positive black, black family. So we don't really get that much anymore. I mean, we have black-ish, but most of the time you see just a lot of ratchet stuff on TV and it's an attack for a reason. They're doing that for a reason to not empower us. So black love is there, but it's not being shown in the mainstream media to the masses. It's being shown that we're wretched, we're alone, I can be independent, I don't need you, but black love is there. But it's it's just, we need to be showing it more ourselves. Mm. Okay, well, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at, at some of your responses and uh, there's a lot of a lot of folks in the, in the chat that feel like black love is dead, dying, sick uh on in icu that is not doing so well and um and so i, I guess um you know i'd be curious to know uh in terms of what you because i, I think you know in my opinion that the the, the answer is everywhere right it, it's all over the place right it, there's some areas you can go in our community where the the odds of two black people staying together uh longer than the amount of time it takes to make a baby is uh, non-existent right you know you, you have so many couples where they literally will um, get together, make a baby, and not even be together when the baby's born, and repeat that process. Like, you've seen people repeat that. Like, over like four babies in a row, four baby daddies in a row, or four baby mamas in a row, right? And um, and and so I, I, I think, but then you obviously, as you mentioned, you have the, the, the segment that's kind of breaking away from all the nonsense and all the chaos. But I'd be curious to know, um, if, if, black, if black, for the areas where black love is dying, uh, starting with you, Noma, uh, what do you think are some of the factors that might have killed it? Like, what do you think are some of the factors in this society that in America in particular, where black love has been under attack, where, where people just kind of feel that black love is not, um, you know, that it's not, uh, that, that, that it's not the healthiest uh, or, the, or the best uh, choice that black women uh, have big issues with black men. 
uh, black men uh, aren't respectful to black women or just the idea of a union and a relationship is not even something that's even important or sacred to people. What are some of the societal factors that you've observed that have led you to um, notice that there might be some problems here? See, one. Of, I think one of the problems in the gentleman here, I'm sorry, our names are not on the screen. I know you, I know Chanel, but um, I'm not oh, familiar with the gentleman. Yeah, but one of the things, John, okay. Um, one of the things that John rightly pointed out is he talked about how the media um, depicts us. Um, I'm fortunate enough not to get my reality from the media. I actually know Black people who love each other um, and care about each other. I come from, you know, generations and generations of Black love. Um, even when I've been, you know, I've lived in America since I was 19 years old. I was only really around um, married people who, were, who loved each other and were committed to each other. So my reality doesn't come from the media. Um, and we do have to understand that um, the general population has no vested interest in our success. Um, it has no vested interest in us breaking away from them, uh, which because we're still attached to the mainstream uh, culture as slaves in just a different way. Okay, we're usually the ones in the most debt. We're usually the ones incarcerated. We're usually the ones whose women are supporting the households. So there's a lot of slavery that we are. Um, still in and it's attached to the general population. So it really does not uh, bear well for them to give us the reality that we can separate from the general population and be successful. Um, that's one of the factors. Um, and then, yeah, there are real things that are happening. A lot of families um, are broken, but again, and you can't lie um, or you can't deny statistics. I mean, I remember back in the day, we used to say, oh, my goodness, 60 percent of um, black households are uh, led by a black woman. Then it was 70. And I think now we're up to about 80. Right. Um, and and that, that so that's real. But like I said, one of the things that I have become really committed to is recognizing that um, not everybody necessarily wants us to be successful, even amongst ourselves. And the, the thing is, you have to work with the willing. There are people who are committed to the Black family. There are people who are committed to the Black community. Um, and those are the people who you have to kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, use to turn our situation around. Okay. Um, so, Chanel, I, I'd be curious to ask you, um, in terms of, um, like, you know, I know you have a lot of experience in media. Um, even before uh, Chanel started the Freedom Company, she's worked with a lot of people from uh, Oprah Winfrey to Tyler Perry to Ava DuVernay and, and been behind the scenes on a lot of great, you know, film projects and stuff like that. So you've had a real key insight into media and how media, you know, everything from the righteous to the ratchet. And uh, I'd be curious to know if you have an, a perception on the way media might've played a part in how black love is, is even portrayed on screen. Um, and uh, you know, whether or not that's played a part in terms of how we view each other. Well, what do you think? Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, Dr. Watkins, I just want to say absolutely. Every, media media plays a role into every single aspect of how we view one another. OK, so one of the issues um, I would say in our community is we are a group of people who require love in general is not linear. You know, it's not the straight line. Oh, I see this person. I like them. And we, you know, get married and happily ever ever. It don't work like that anymore. So a lot of times, you know, we have a lot of self-development, self-hate that we have to fight through fight in our communities. So when you have a community who's been 
um, stripped of their complete identity, stripped of their last name, stripped of their resources, stripped of their everything, then you let them love each other. <laughs> so then we try to figure out, you know, how to have self-love and then also love one another. So I'm going to close this out because I know I don't have a lot of time because I know other people got to go. But what I want to um, just tie this in and say, if the media is portraying what the most beautiful woman in the world looks like, and men are trying to associate themselves um, with having the most beautiful woman in the world. They're going to constantly, you know, basically determine who men find um, beautiful and how men treat women that they find beautiful. So you'll find, first of all, black men enjoy and love black women. You know, we got colorism issues in our community that we haven't completely um, dealt with. So I believe that as for love, we require a lot of work and we shouldn't dis, um, discard one another because there's work involved. And most of all, we, you know, we together go further. So we shouldn't separate ourselves from one another. And I do believe we're missing intentionality behind love and community um, and relationships and things of that nature. So yeah, of course you can just have a baby if you're, you know, if you don't have any intention behind the relationship and be done in nine months, but we should be moving with intentionality. Um, that's all I got to say on that. Okay. Well, by the way, I want to tell the panelists, um, uh, the reason I had to hit the mute button is just because I heard some background noise. So, uh, so what I'll do is I, I can unmute you, of course, when, when you, when you speak, cause that's the only way we can hear you, but, uh, it's no disrespect. I just want to make sure everybody that, that we get rid of the echo, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, that to your point, you talked about intentionality and, um, and by the way, um, role grunion noir, is here. I did, did I say that? Did, did, did I say your name right? Is that? Uh, let me know. Say, <laughs> say it for me. Say it for me again. Grand Genois. Did I get it right? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna keep practicing. All right. I mentioned <laughs> y'all last time. I failed French class, so I. <laughs> I in fact, uh, speaking of black love, I, I had my first uh, crush in, in French class uh, in the tenth grade. There was a pretty black girl that sat in the front row who made straight A's, and and I and I made straight D's. And all I would do is just sit there in class and look at her the whole time, which <laughs> puts you in the, the weird mind of a fifteen year old boy. So, um, so, so, let, so, actually, uh, before we, we move to row. I'll, I'm going to ask you about this, John, and then, Ro, I'd like to hear your take on this. Um, you know, uh, Chanel talked about intentionality, and, um, and and I think that when you talk about building an excellent community, building an excellent family, building an excellent life, those things don't tend to happen by accident. Those things tend to happen intentionally. Uh, those things tend to happen when you have a plan to create an, an excellent life, right? So when you think about things like you know family planning, uh, like I know we got Planned Parenthood out here, but I don't relate to that. I'm not because it comes with so much baggage. But just when you talk about planning parenthood, planning familyhood, planning relationships, I don't hear a lot of talk about planning. I don't hear a lot of people. I hear people talk about love like this is it's just this spontaneous thing where you just go outside and, and so one day the sunshine, the birds are chirping and 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 there's a big explosion and and then the rest of your life just suddenly happens out of nowhere. I think that's a recipe for disaster. You know, when you're planning your future by just saying like. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lock myself into the first big button, a smile that I that I run into or the first guy who, you know, who who comes in, who's dressed, uh, you know, in a really nice suit, who says a couple of nice words to me. I'm going to go ahead and have his baby. Uh, it seems to me that that's almost where, where a lot of us are, that we don't even think about 
how the rest of our life actually happens. And then it happens and then we're blown away. Uh, can you talk a little bit, John? Um, and I think you have to unmute yourself, John, because I, I can't unmute you on this end. Um, the, uh, the, the the importance of intentionality and planning and, and whether or not you see a lot of that happening or not happening. Yeah, intentionality is, is very important because without intentionality, you're just going off of random chance. And when you leave yourself up to chance, you open yourself up to a lot of things that can happen that you don't plan for and that you weren't prepping for and life just tends to spiral 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 because you never planned you were never intentional and i would like to give a lot of credit to my mom uh and my dad growing up because just like random things like my mom I, she would be cooking in the kitchen and she would call me in i'm trying to watch tv and she'd come come on in here and, and help me cook no no you need to know how to cook because i'm not going to raise no man that don't know how to cook for his wife or don't know how to cook for his kids and stuff like that. And I'd be like, oh, I'm trying to watch this show, but that helps. Cause now I can get in the kitchen and even though I don't like have a wife right now, but I'm cooking for myself. I'm you know, <laughs> prepping for the week. And if I had any kids, I can go ahead and take care of them. They don't have to worry about where's my next meal going to come from. You know, we, we're eating McDonald's all the time, you know, stuff like that. And uh, that helps save money. So that also helps with me saving for my family. So I'm not spending, unnecessarily all the time. And with my dad being there showing me what it, it is to be a man, what it means to step up, to take care of responsibility, being intentional in the things that he does, even because not everything is going to go 100% your way. But when you are intentional, when you do have a plan, even when life throws you those curveballs, you can still bounce back and make things happen for the betterment of your family or for your black family. So I believe I believe that being intentional is very important, very key, and we have to be more intentional. We can't just be leaving things up to chance so often. So we have to sit down and come up with a plan, come up with a a five five year plan, ten year plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it, and I need to stick to that. And I think we're being just a little too loose with like how we're playing our lives and leaving things up to chance. We have to be intentional. Hmm. So so uh, what do you think, Ro? Um, I think that, <laughs> I think, can you, can you hear me well? I think that you all might not like my answer. Um, I think that Americans cannot trust themselves to create good families at all. And people need to stop trying to rely on anything that they learned about family while living in America, including your parents a, a, a mother asking their son to learn how to cook. We are so African rooted in what we teach, what we study, what we learn, that gender roles is something that we have to get back to as African people to honor ourselves and also to make sure that we succeed. We can't do like other people and try to apply that to us just because we were ripped from our culture. It's important for us to get back to our roots. Okay, so uh, all right, so Roe Ro, uh, makes a pretty strong argument. By the way, we believe in freedom of speech here, uh, so it, don't worry about whether or not people are gonna like your answer. It, you know, the, the ugly answer is sometimes <laughs> the, the most. May I add something? Oh, go go ahead, please, Noma. Um, it's interesting because before Rose spoke, I had written down two words. Um, I had wrote culture and I had written tradition. 
And that's mm. where intention comes from. You know, our traditions and our cultures do have to kind of evolve over time, but um, they're rooted in things that have been proven to work for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Um, and the further we stray away from those things, the more trouble we get into, and the more we move back to those things, the better we do. It's, 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 it's so funny because whenever you look at groups of people who are failing, almost systematically or almost constantly, or it's it, failure is the overriding thing with them, is you will find that they have no real, they're not rooted in their own culture and their own traditions. Mm -hmm. um, and when they move back into their own cultures and their own traditions and embrace them, um, they, they begin to do well. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, I, I think that's a great point. Um, and let's let's drill into that. Uh, before we uh, move on, I want to let everybody know that we are our, our our panel, our all black intellectual chocolate panel. Today we're going to talk. We're talking about black love and whether or not black love is dead, uh, dead, dying, sick, or in ICU or whatever. And um, and to our panelists for today are uh, Madam President. Uh, you can raise, just kind of raise your hand when I say your name. That way everybody knows you, uh, Madam President. Uh, CEO and founder of the Freedom Company, John F. Thomas, um, who's a writer and director uh, out of Hollywood, uh, Ro Ro Guanganwa. Uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep trying. I promise you. Uh, and Noma Langham, uh, Ro Guanganwa, the founder of the Wife School. Uh, so she teaches uh, women how to be uh, better wives. Uh, you know, she has a philosophy, and, and she teaches that. And also, Noma Langham Mushali Moses. Uh, founder of Successful Black Woman, Healthy Black Woman, uh, contributor on Fly New Being Queen TV.com. And, uh, and I think it's really important. I, what I like is that part, some of, the part of our panel actually comes from uh, other countries or, or lives in another country anyway. And, uh, and so you've kind of seen globally different ways the relationships are approached. And, uh, and I, and I want to dig deeper into that. And so I'm actually going to start backwards this time. I like to go back to Roe and uh, Roe and Noma uh, on this, um, you know, because it, it does seem to me that Americans in general, Americans and then maybe African-Americans. And I think we learn a lot of who we are. We, we, we get a lot of our practices from white people. Right. White people tell us, well, you're, you guys are backward and you need to be more progressive. So you need to do it this way instead of that way. And uh, and I never trusted that. Uh, you know, I, I just see, you know, relationships dropping like flies. I see a lot of children that don't have both parents. They're traumatized because of that. I see a lot of chaos. I see a lot of stupid hashtags like blame black men. Um, I see a lot of anger. I see I, I go to uh, look at sites like uh, Madame Noir, where it just seems like black men literally like I, I you're more threatened by them than you are a damn, damn near by, by a Klansman. You know, <laughs> it's like who needs the KKK when when you've got black women that literally think you need to be dead. Right. Uh, and so it just seems to me and not that and not that all black women feel that way. We know that's not true. But we know that there's like this weird popular narrative that's just kind of uh, you look at the election. Black men were being blamed for. Uh, not going along on the Joe Biden train, right? And you had black women in powerful positions, uh, Kamala on down, you know, strolling to the polls, going out of their way to say black men suck, to hell with black men. And then you could throw on top of that with media, media consistently reminding black women, black men are terrible. Get you a white man. White, go, go do like that lady and marry Prince Charles or what, what the hell is it? Prince William. I, I can't remember which one, Harry, I, whatever one she married. But you get the point. So uh, I, I guess I'll start with you, um, Ro, um, what, what, what's going on with that? I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, first of all, I think that we, our disconnection from our roots is so heavy. It's, we are, we are 400 years disconnected. 
And most of us do not realize that we live in a bubble of recycling ignorance. We are a people, unlike all other um, Africans who live outside of Africa, we never move around outside of our nation. We stay. In, we have stayed in America with less than 1% of us leaving the American continent for 401 years. So it means that our ideas are not going to have anything to do with anything except for what we learned from slavery, from trauma, from European behavior, from being um, oppressed. And it also means that we believe heavily that our state is real and right. We believe heavily that what the media tells us without any opposing connection to our culture and our roots and our family telling us differently. And we're not even connected strong enough to our own parents to have success in, in any kind of personal way and especially not in any type of um, successful way for our generations. We are a people who are focused on what we want, material things, and fun. And mm. it is completely against our African culture to be so focused on those three things when in reality, our African roots teaches us to be group oriented, thinking of the group all the time, thinking of what the group needs to progress. If Africa had financial power, like Africans American, African Americans, they would be unstoppable, which is why they everyone does so much to stop them from touching a dollar. Mm, mm, wow. Okay. So, um, so we mentioned the dollar, which we can definitely dig into that. Um, so, in fact, actually, let's start there. Uh, so, so Nomalanga, um, please feel free to respond to the, to uh, what Ro just said, but also, um, you know, I tend to, I, I, I actually. I, I knew it, but but I, I know your family. I met your family in Botswana. And uh, your family and your extraordinary father, uh, you know, uh, rest in power. You know, I, I saw from why I, how he moved and how your family moved that that there's a clear understanding that family is directly related to wealth, that your ability to maintain your family is one of the keys to your economic survival and prosperity. Um, can you kind of speak to that in terms of how you learn these things, uh, you know, as a child? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Ro talks about growing up in a bubble, but I also kind of grew up in a bubble, but it was the exact opposite bubble where I thought that everybody had a nuclear family with a mom and a dad, and that was what was normal. Um, and then obviously I got exposed to more. Um, I, you know, I lived in, I've lived in the United States since I was 19 years old. Um, but as I got older, um, I realized that, um, you can lose yourself and not really know who you are, what you're doing. There's so many ideas. Um, America is like, I mean, anything and everything can happen in America, right? Um, and you can get drawn into that. But I realized when I got older, especially after I got married and then had children, that um, it was very, very important to go back to understanding that our culture and our traditions are in place, like I said before, for a purpose. They do have to evolve with time. But um, I started to appreciate that, wow, you know, 
Mama, my mother and my father have uh, very uh, key things that they instilled in us. And the further I move away from those things, the more problems I have. The more people I see who don't understand those things or don't embrace those things, um, the more problems that they have. So I started to really, really appreciate um, that our cultures and our traditions are what make us successful. Um, and to the question of wealth, um, there, I don't believe there's any way to build wealth without building a family um, because you keep losing the wealth. If you keep starting over, and I've been saying this, I'm sure, for the last 10 years, if you keep starting over with every generation with nothing um, because there is no family structure, there's no way that you can build wealth that sustains for 100 years, 200 years, and so forth. And if you look at the general population in America, they've mastered that. I even say it from a business point of view. There'll be people who are trying to build a business and they're frustrated that it's not a big business or it's not doing well. And so, and they're comparing other big businesses. I'm saying, look, Walmart, the Walton started that thing, I don't know how many years ago, and it's been going for generations. Everything that you see that they're sustaining is because they've kept it together from generation to generation to generation. And there's no way to be successful if you keep starting over every 20, 30 years. For some people, it's even more frequently. Um, you know, it's, it's one father here and then within the next year or two, it's another father and a different mother. And, and it's just all over the place. There's just no way to be successful, whether it's with wealth or with family, um, if you're starting over and you're comparing yourself or trying to compete with people who have held it together for hundreds of years. Mm. Okay, uh, everybody, we just came in. I'm talking to um, our all-Black intellectual chocolate panel this morning about Black love and Black relationships. In case you don't know, on drboystv.com, we're doing a lot of panels. Um, typically, we do them at 8 o'clock at night. Today, we started at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, because um, because Ro and Noma are across the world, and um, and this is uh, actually nighttime for them or, cl or close to it. And um, and so we um, our goal is to create black owned media uh, because we believe black voices need to be heard from all different sides of the spectrum because we think my, white media is doing a terrible job of informing the black community, which they never should have had that job in the first place. But we're taking that job away. They have been fired. So uh, so everybody, um, if you could, please hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe, whatever platform you're on. Make sure you subscribe. Share this video because we need to talk about black love. Or we're going to talk about black power because black love is black power. Black love is black wealth. Black love is black prosperity. So please make sure uh, that you share this video. If you haven't shared the video, please do that and hit that notification bell. So you'll be notified whenever we go live. So everybody in the chat, uh, go ahead and let's just get with the spirit of the conversation. Everybody use the hashtag black love, one word, hashtag black love. Put that in the chat. If you, if, so that we can get on the same page, you guys know we're B1, hashtag B1. Well, right now we're also hashtag black love. And, uh, and I just want to say that, you know, I'll, I'll throw it out there and talk about, uh, Chanel before I, you know, before I ask you this question, I, you know, I, I, um, I had to be trained. Well, I'm going to say trained, but I was prepared and groomed, uh, from my parents that the only type of woman I'm supposed to love is a black woman. You know, um, I, I got from my father, I saw my father adore my mother for 46 years. They're still married now. And, um, and I remember, and my father is not my real father. He actually, my biological father, you know, with the, the slavery dysfunction, right. My biological father wasn't there, but, um, but to show you the bright side of, of our greatness, you know, I had a, another father that stepped in and did a great job. And then also, 
Uh, so I saw my father adore my mother. I saw my father submit to my mother for many years. I saw my mother submit to my father. I saw them both submitting to the relationship that they submitted to something bigger than themselves. It wasn't, you know, I got to have my way all the time. You know, sometimes you get your way. Sometimes I get mine. I also saw my mother really give a, a type of respect to my father that I don't always see um, in a lot of relationships. Um, I see a lot of disrespect. Uh, and uh, and I and I will say that I don't tolerate disrespect uh, in my life. I, 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 I the, the feminists, the hardcore feminists, really hate people like me uh, because I just it's like no, I'm 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 a man. You're not gonna make me a little, into a little boy. I don't care how hard you try, uh, it's not gonna happen. But um, anyway, with that said though, uh, one of the way I was groomed to love a black woman was I remember my mother when I was 16 years old. My mother explained to me that she said, and, and this is her view, right? She wasn't a college professor or anything. But in her view, she said, it's really hard, you know, in America to find a, 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 a quality black man. And that was her experience. Right. And uh, and I remember hearing that and I felt like it was my job to make sure that I was available and I was there for a black woman. That, that it just at that moment, I said, OK, if I get married, I'm not marrying anybody other than a black woman. And that's the way it was. You know, I met white women. They hit on me. It was it was like being hit on by by a puppy or something like I didn't even it, it didn't even register. It's like, you mean I can I'm actually allowed to sleep with people like you? Like I not no disrespect to them, but I just didn't. I was like, no, I'm here for a black woman. That's all it's going to be. That's all. That's how it's going to go down. So, you know, it seems to me that obviously everybody doesn't have that perspective, nor should, I don't know if they should or not. I don't I don't care about that. But do you, tell me about media in terms of how hard it seems that media works to just, you know, really say to black people, like, you don't need each other, you know, because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you go to Hollywood, there are black men out there that won't even go near a black woman. They, they won't even let the black women into the clubs and stuff like that. Like, I, I it's, it's appalling. And then, but then you've got TV shows like Scandal and, you know, whatever, where it's like, like Scandal is really, I don't know, give me a yes or no, guys, if you're kind of appalled by the whole theme of Scandal, where you got this really beautiful, amazing black woman who's like, I don't want to. I don't want a black man. I would just rather be the white man's side chick because he's the president of the United States. Like that. That bothers me. I don't know. Tell me. Tell me what you think about media, Chanel, and and how that kind of plays out in in terms of how our relationships have evolved over time. Well, I think it was similar. This was similar. The question was similar previously, and the the media. I think James Baldwin said it best. The white man cannot fool you. He doesn't have any new tricks up his sleeve when it comes to, you know, white supremacy. The thing about the media is it's constantly perpetuating this idea that um, that if you look at love and hip hop and things like that, then we love within us do not exist. And the truth is love within us really do exist. And um, media is doing its job, it's doing its role. If you gotta think about this, and I, I'm gonna, I'm glad you asked this because I've been wanting to make this reference to other people for a minute when it came to um, Birth of a Nation with Nate Parker. So the original Birth of a Nation, um, hundred years ago, there it's a black and white film, and basically there's this part where the white woman is scared to death by a black man and they go on a hunt to find this black man, right? So if you fast forward a hundred plus years, what did they do to Nate Parker when he created Birth of a Nation? This is real. I saw this. I watched it. I said to myself, this is crazy. Yeah. How the history repeat itself like this. But mm. what it dawned on me was white supremacy is committed to white supremacy. 
It does not care how it needs to formulate a story. It's going to stick to that story nonstop. So the thing about these these groups here, Dr. Watkins, your audience, your audience is supposed to be the space for intelligent Black people. So the thing about this audience is what regular Black folk are experiencing, it shouldn't be happening with this audience because this mm. is for the conscious community where they kind of, they have a sense of awareness that know, okay, I know what's in front of me. I know what I'm dealing with. So I got to handle black love differently than everybody else. So uh, one of the things that Rose said that I completely agree with, I mean, culture and tradition, those things matter. If culture and tradition was rooted in our communities in the magnitude of which it should, then, me then the media would have absolutely no jurisdiction of how we move as a unit. But because we have no, we have no culture and tradition within ourselves besides the one that white supremacy created for us on a plantation. You got to think about this: Black American people, either we are, um, either we are submitting to white supremacy or we are rebelling against it. But anything that we decide is still on the realm of white supremacy. Our life is surrounded by we're rebelling from it or submitting to it. So um, a person like myself grew up in the city of Chicago, father killed at 12 years old, mother had me at 15 years old. You know, white supremacy was under the, under, under the impression that I, I probably was supposed to be pregnant with children or um, locked up and amongst a million other things. But because of consciousness and awareness of intelligence and, you know, will, you know, I have to constantly work to reject that. And even from the media standpoint, the media is doing its job 24-7. I would just say that if white supremacy is the owner of media, then in the words of James Baldwin, the white man cannot fool you. He does not have tricks up his sleeve. I think that we need to be incredibly careful uh, when it comes to giving these people so much power over us and in, in our minds. Mm. I don't think that we need to st stand by and compare ourselves to a reaction to white supremacy. We need to remember that this whole concept of white is all made up. It really just does not exist. You know, all people come from Africa. And these people who have very light skin who call themselves white are very void of melanin. They're being attacked daily by the sun. They know that their skin is extremely translucent and vulnerable. And they know that if they have sex with one African-blooded person, their family will be Black in one generation. So if you ask the average person if they want their generation, their grandchildren to be their ethnicity, everybody on earth is going to say yes, including them. And for them to survive, they must be racist. They're not going to survive if they just love everybody. It's scientifically and biologically cannot happen. They have to shield away from us so that their skin and their power can stay the way that it is. We really don't have to worry so much about what they're doing. We almost need to consider strongly about not even calling them the W word. It gives them too much power. 
They mm. are simply European people trying to stay alive. It mm. gives them too much power. We need to focus on what we need to do. We need to stay focused and stop thinking that we are victims. Yes, they have been brutal all over the world, but they have an instinct that tells them correctly that if they don't try to survive, they won't survive. Wow. So we, as the people who have incredible intelligence, and I want to remind people again, it has been scientifically proven that after the primates, all other humans on earth have a, an intelligence level number six. The primates are five, everyone else is six. And then when you get to the African-blooded people, they test again and again at intelligence number nine. Nine. It mm. means that we must be incredibly hypnotized to be controlled. And this is how we need to see ourselves. Very, very powerful. Not just our skin, not just our ability to throw a ball, but our intelligence is very much so off the charts. If we do mm. not watch media, I haven't watched media in 16 years. I have been shocked after the first year how much I view myself in a more positive light after the first year. Wow. And it wow. is imperative to understand that this takes, this doesn't take very long. Nomalanga said, and I wanna say, I met Nomalanga in South Africa. Nomalanga is a real living African princess and she's Miss Botswana. Okay, <laughs> I, we, you know, she, she does know what she's talking about. She's, she's very elegant and we have arguments um, sometimes about who's more elegant. <laughs> I say she's more elegant. Um, but it needs to be very clear that we have such a gift that we don't understand. And Noma Langa said that she went to America at 19 and then it changed the way that she, she kept becoming um, sidetracked, I think she was saying it or referring to. And we have been in America for 401 years. She was there since for maybe 20 years. I don't know, maybe I'm off a little, but we have been there for 401 years. We are our grandparents, we're not just ourselves. If we were not so strongly, thus our slave descendants living right now, we wouldn't be able to remember our slave recipes that were not written down. Mm. We wouldn't be able to remember any of those things. We literally are reliving slavery every day because we won't change our status. So yes. I beg people to understand, you are extremely powerful. Even the people in America who have black blood mixed with like 25% of European blood, we are still very genetically African. We are extremely mentally powerful and we know it when we turn the TV off. We don't know it when the TV is on. Mm. Well, you know, uh, that's so that's such an interesting point. Um, you know, I think. Uh, OK, so we won't call them white people anymore. Maybe we can call them melanin deficient. So uh, I'll say hello, uh, John Smith, MD, MD, melanin deficient. So everybody type MD in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we have now relabeled white people. All white people watching, you you're, you're now MD. Uh, we 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 feel sorry for you. Um, but uh, but in all seriousness, though, I mean they they relabel us all the time, right? So so let's take that power back. Uh, but um, but you know, I, I want to go to John. Uh, John, uh, the 
the the lone uh, the lone male on the panel other than myself. Um, <laughs> you know, so so when you go through a life and, and you, uh, you you're in your early thirties, or thirty three years old, right? Is that right? Uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in my Jesus year. Okay, in, in your Jesus year. That's right. That's right. And uh, and so um, <laughs> you know, when you go and you're, you're kind of you know living life and and meeting people, meeting different uh, black women for different walks of life. You know, maybe maybe you're, you're sizing her up, she's sizing you up, whatever the case may be. We're not judging it at all. But I'd be curious to know um, what's your honest assessment in terms of how you think uh, the 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 range of perspectives that people have of you or preconceived notions they might have of you as a black man and and whether how that how has that impacted your ability to engage with you know with black women that you meet in any capacity not just in dating but working and things like that um i i ask that question because i i can say that i've, I've seen just kind of this broad spectrum of reactions you know everything from admiration to disdain you know right even before i they even know me um and so i'll be curious to know what your experience has been Uh, my experience in in particular it ha has been admiration from some and then from others, uh, just complete dismissal, um, mainly because I am not what is being marketed to them, per se. I'm not I'm not the typical guy. I'm not I'm not a thug. I'm not I don't have gold in my mouth. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not walking around talking in, in a broken you know, accent or with a huge dialect. I have a Southern, you know, twang when I do talk and I can, I can talk there when I get around a few friends, like, you know, and, but, you know, for the most part, I talk like this, you know, but, and they, that turns, you know, some of them off because it's like, oh, he, he, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm looked at as, oh, that, that's the guy that I, this guy I settle down with later on right now. I'm having fun. Really? I'll come back to him when I'm done, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot. There's been a few times. Uh, some girls I've been in school with, where they've been talking, you know, without they, you know, had their fun, and then they hit me up after they, you know, had like the two kids or whatever, or they just, you know, uh, talked. To, I don't know how many different dudes, and then they're like, oh, you know, well, I always liked you. You know, I, thought, I always thought you were very smart and blah blah blah. So I was just like, okay, so I was supposed to wait uh, ten years for you to get ready. <laughs> you know, so I was like, get out of here. Oh, uh, so I mean, that, no, I no, just no, wanted to say ahead. that as a person who, uh, like my husband and I, we match people for marriage, and literally after meeting, seeing you last time and this time, you would be a prime candidate that we would match people with, and and we can't find a lot of people, and so it looks like American black women don't know, can't see a marriage material guy in front of them. <laughs> I mean, they, they 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 look they look at me for the most part I, actually i've been told from a few women they were like oh i thought you liked white white girls so that's why i didn't talk to you <laughs> and i would have said nothing like i mean which, which i i guess i get it because you know we all look at people and we're like oh it like especially maybe the way i dress and whatever and stuff like that i don't dress like the i guess the typical black dude that they show on tv where i got the you know the the hat turned to the side and you know my pants sagging all down i'm not you know, i'm not dressing like that but at the same time, it's just like, well, you know, just just ask me. I or have a question. If, yeah, I have a question um, because I haven't been in America. Do they actually believe that the thug looking guy is a good choice or are these guys just pursuing them? I don't think it's a matter of seeing them as a good choice or bad choice. It's, it's, it's really like attraction. It's almost like, you know, 
your attraction instinct is sometimes disconnected from your logic, right? Like you're not thinking like, okay, this is a, a really good rational choice for me. It's, it's, I think that this experience is going to make me feel good. The, okay. You know, like, like, so, like a guy who sleeps with a stripper or something, right? He, so he I have another question. Are they actually attracted to the guy with the hat turned to the side and the grill and yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's, a, it's a thrill factor, right? You know, because it's just like, yeah. oh man, like this. You know, I am this, in shock. I mean, well, I mean, this this like in the teenage. I mean, same thing. Like, you know, Doctor Boris was saying, like, you know, you you look at the most younger guys and look at the girl that's you know wearing the super short, tiny, you know, booty shorts and got the breasts on you. Not that I would necessarily take her home to mom, but it's just like, hey, I'm out here. That's that's a thrill. I'm having fun. And then mm-hmm. for the most part, once you get like maybe to late twenties, early thirties. That's when most people that I tend to have seen so far start getting serious. So they're like, let me have all my fun. Let me get all the little crazy stuff out the way. Oh, okay, now it's time for me to get serious. And sorry, mm-hmm. you know, and I might have two kids, two kids to bring with me. You know, so can you, uh-uh. you know, be with my two kids as well? So I can remember liking and being attracted to marriage quality men since I was like four years old. Mm. You know, I can remember not even wanting to sit next to adult males who looked like they were problems since I was like four years old. I'm I'm kind of uh, uh, wondering. I mean, I'm not kind of wondering. I know that this has some kind of connection to not having a father in the home. Mm. You know, we, we, we often forget that although statistics say 75, 78% of black Americans grew up with no father in the home. Even most fathers that were in the home were ran by the women in there. So mm. a lot of us are just totally confused by that. I cannot be, I could never be attracted to a male that my father um, was repulsed by. Mm. Well, in the, in, the, in the media, and it, I'll, I'll say this and I'll let somebody else speak. Uh, which you, you you all are right. Like we need to turn the TV off more, but in media, it's, it's more so marketed. Uh, like the people like myself or like Dr. Boyce, we aren't re- or scientists or, or doctors or lawyers, black, you know, people in these positions, they aren't marketed as, oh, this is what you should, you know, look up to for strive for. It's more so of the the, the ballers or, or the thugs mm-hmm. and stuff like this. So that's what's marketed as, oh man, that's, that's what you should get. So that's why with hip hop, it's more so of the guys that that you know are the thugs, and, you know, the dangerous and stuff like that. And we are a part of that problem because we keep promoting that as well. But you know, that's what's marketed out there. So for a person like me, not saying that there aren't women who aren't attracted to me, but a good portion of the women aren't per se until much later. It's just like, oh, okay, now I'm ready to talk to you because mm-hmm. I've I've tried all these guys, it didn't work. Okay, I, I guess I guess I'll call it. Now. He, he's safe. Well, he can. I know he'll take care okay. of me. Well, let, let, let me. Let me. Well, hold on, wait. Well, give me one second. Well, let me show you something. This this gives you an example of what uh, I think John is talking about. Now, now this is this shows how far back the tradition goes of celebrating the thug culture and the the rapper culture. Um, women women tend to be not all women, but a lot of women uh, like men with with money, status, and power. So. One of the ways that the black woman, unfortunately, many black women are trained to chase the the, the gangster thug persona is be, is by who they glorify, who they choose to promote. 
So if you are a black college professor and you're trying to get on TV, it's going to be much harder for you to get on media than if you are a black man who raps about killing black people. Right. So this goes back. Uh, I like this list because it's kind of it's a list of the richest rappers in America. And it's also um, guys that are not you know, these are not 18 year olds. These guys are, are 40, 50. Some of them are over the age of 50. But this shows it goes back 25, 30 years. Uh, Diddy got his start in the 90s. Dr. Dre got his start in the 90s. Birdman, all these guys have been around except for Drake. He's maybe um, about 34, 35 years old, maybe a little younger. I can't remember. But the point is, if you look at this, right, this shows that these guys are all making millions and millions of dollars. Uh, there's Jay-Z in there. Every single one, every single one, every single one of these guys except Drake started off as a thug, as a street guy, as a gangster. That was the thing, right? And, uh, and now Drake wasn't a gangster. But Drake, uh, he spends a lot of time rapping in the hood, about the hood, you know, utilizing hood culture. Uh, you know, he's the Degrassi guy who just learned how to imitate. He learns how to play a character, right? And then and then if you go to, like I say, a younger generation, uh, I'll switch to another image. This is, it, it's only gotten worse over time, right? Yeah. That rapper is a Young Thug. Young Thug yeah, is a guy who... Yeah, he's he's uh you know and he he's mentally ill. He's he's a he, he comes to me and he's not just he's he's not just the only one. I mean, there's a a lot of guys that do the same thing, and it's it's this really you know when you see this, which is really kind of sad, is you don't see something that says okay, this guy's gonna be a great father to your kids, or this guy uh, is not gonna give you an STD because some of the rappers love to rap you know brag about how they've had sex with a thousand women in the last you know six or seven months or whatever. Um, he doesn't come off to me as a guy that's going to bring peace and good things to your life. But a lot of young girls, because they don't have a father in the home, they don't have the father there to kind of show them what a solid black man looks like. Many of them admire these men. Like they are attracted to these men. They want to lay down with these men. And, uh, and, and as a father, it's very, it's very hard for me because I know what that comes with. I, I don't judge that, but mm -hmm. I know thugs. I know guys that, will bring all kinds of hell, rain hell onto your life. And so for me, it becomes very frustrating to see the cycle where you, okay, you want to run off and go get pregnant with a thug, but then you want me to feel sorry for you when all that shit falls apart. Excuse my French, you know, because, but, but it's pretty, it's very predictable. Um, you know, and, and I, I probably said it out of frustration and the role I'd like to go back to you. It's frustrating for me because I've mentored young people, male and female, and uh, and I could just think of one particular time where there was where, where where there was one young lady who said, "Oh, I want you to meet my new boyfriend." I said, "Okay, great." And I shook the guy's hand, and literally from the very moment I shook his hand, I said, "Please do not put make, keep this man in your life. Please do not have a baby with this man." I, I asked a couple questions. So first of all, when I shook his hand, he he's looking down, he's looking away, he gives me this flimsy little you know wimpy little handshake. And uh, like, like he was almost embarrassed to even shake my hand and meet me. And then I, I said, so tell me about him. Oh, well, he's got a couple of kids with a, with a couple of women. And, uh, and, and, and I was just, and I said, okay, I'm not here to judge you. I don't want to tell people how to live their life, but if you get pregnant with this man, it's going to ruin your life. Right. And, uh, and, and, and she said, well, how do you know? I said, because I could tell just by shaking his hand that he doesn't have a father. I can, I can tell that instantly. And it's no disrespect. It's not to say that, you know, because some, you, you, you can't control some of that stuff, right? You're, you're just a baby. You don't know what's, what your parents are doing. I didn't have a father when I grew up. I just got a replacement dad, right? I said, uh, he doesn't know how to be a man. He's not going to be a good man for you. He's going to break your heart. Then he's going to break your children's hearts. 
And, uh, and, and it, it drove me insane because it's almost like reading out of a textbook. That is precisely what happened. And, and, and years later, this person, you know, has kids and, and fathers and problems. And, and, and I'm, I, and I don't, I never say I told you so, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of how it goes in America. We, we ruin our lives and then we wonder who did it, you know? So, so go, so roll, please. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on any of that. I just want to say that I think people are hypnotized. I know that it sounds drastic, but I think that we need to remember that four out of five people are easily hypnotized, mm. easily hypnotized. And in the first few seconds that you're watching any media, especially the media where, you know, pe there, you have people who have put together different sounds and different um, camera angles in order to make sure that you stay hypnotized or even some twirly thing in the background. Those yeah. things are for, and, you know, all of the shows, all of them are for hypnotizing you. They hypnotize you and then they give you the message. So we're just actually judging people uh, who are probably hypnotized. I, I'm, 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 I'm not kidding. And I really believe that mm -hmm. the pain and the shock of having a baby, being left alone, being abandoned, being beaten, being cheated on and all that other foolishness that comes with the ghetto life. It you know puts people into reality at least momentarily, but I also know that No Malanga wanted mm. to say something. <laughs> Go ahead, No Noma. Are you, is No is Noma muted? Hold on, I think Noma might be muted. Let me see. I can unmute you. Let's see. There we go. Go ahead, Noma, please. Um, yeah, I was gonna say because right at the beginning I talked about. Can you yeah, there's a, little, there's a little bit of a delay, but, but it's okay. We can be patient. Okay. Um, I was going to say from the beginning, one of the first comments that I made when we started this, um, you know, the session was talking about not getting our reality from media. And unfortunately, a lot of people actually get their reality from media. Um, and it's so funny because it, it doesn't make sense that when you watch, let's say, a, a story, um, you know, that you know is not real, that you could interpret that as real. But somehow we do mm. that. Okay. Uh, so, so. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. I'm not okay. sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, get, I can hear you. Yeah. I, I was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I can say is that, yeah, if you don't really have, like, for instance, I feel it's so unfair for us to expect somebody who didn't have a father to father a child and know what to do. They have no reference. They, it's, it's really, it really is unfair. I think that a lot of people have good intentions, um, even when they enter their relationships and their marriages, but they just don't know what to do. Or uh, what they're told to do is the exact opposite of what they're actually supposed to do. Um, and then, of course, it doesn't work, and that frustrates them, and then they buy into the reality that, oh, actually building a family or marriage is actually something that's not um, it's not realistic anymore, um, it's not necessary, I can't find anybody, and all those kinds of things. But um, it's really because they don't have a real-life example, so you can't blame people. And then when you couple in with what Rose said, where people are hypnotized, but they're not hypnotized to believe the right thing that will work for them. They're hypnotized to believe almost the exact mm -hmm. opposite of what will work for them. Um, and then another point that I wanted to make, I think you talked about how um, women want to pursue money, power, and influence 
absolutely they should. Um, marriage in its origin, Africans used to marry to increase their money, power, and influence. Um, you, you, when you talk about arranged marriages, you usually uh, wanted your daughter or your son to marry into a family where combined you would have more money, power, and influence. So that's a natural thing that we should want. The problem is that people are seeing um, people who actually have no money, power, and influence. They have it temporarily. Um, but if you go and look at Jay-Z's dad, he had no money, power, and influence. And I hope his son will have it, but probably not because they don't know how to keep it. Um, so it's okay to pursue money, power, and influence, but um, that, that should be our instinct, and it's good to have that instinct. Uh, but we don't know how to do it correctly. And that's what's happening. We don't know how to do it the right way. And because of that, we're doing it wrong and then you know, that's where we reach the state where it, it, we're perpetuating mm. failure. For all right, uh, everybody who just tuned in, uh, our all-black intellectual chocolate panel is uh, discussing uh, black love and whether or not black love is dead. That's the question we're asking today. Uh, or if it's sick or on life support or just has, uh, if, if black love got the Rona. Um, and so uh, if you um, uh, are uh, here uh, from any of the platforms, uh, do, do us a, a quick solid uh, please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe. If you're on uh, Twitter, please retweet. If you're on Facebook, please share. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you hit the thumbs up button right now. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Hit the uh, subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. You can also text the word voice to 31996. Uh, if you'd like to get text notifications when we go live, some of you came in because you got a text from me this morning. Uh, so you can text the word voice to 31996. We're going to do a lot of these intellectual chocolate panels uh, all throughout the week, um, typically at 8 p.m. Eastern, or we're going to also do some at 8 a.m. Eastern um, because our Noma and Roe are across the world and we want to make sure they're included also. <clears throat> and so uh, one of the things I want to share with you guys, and by the way, if you are smart and you're smart and black and you, uh, you, you do well on camera, you're not going to freeze up, you have something intelligent to say, or you want to get out here and, and share your point of view, uh, we can open this up to the public too. We, you know, if you if you think that you're fit for a panel, I'm gonna put the email address in the chat. Uh, producer at flynubianmedia.com. It's right there in the chat right now. So feel free to send your bio over, or if, even best if you have a YouTube channel or a clip of yourself or something, send it over. Uh, we you got to be ready, but uh, we we love to include some of the smart people in the community or subject matter experts because we believe black people should control media. So we're gonna take this thing over. All right, so uh, I'm gonna show you uh, the the panel. And everyone watching a clip of a trailer for uh, a film that we made called The Black Love Blueprint. Now, the reason that we made this film was because uh, we felt like there's a, there was a, a, an issue here that maybe uh, that maybe as a community, one of the big problems we have is that some people make mistakes not because they're trying to make mistakes. You know, nobody deliberately uh, chooses to want to consistently ruin their life, right? A lot of people have good intentions, and it turns out bad. So we realized that a lot of people just don't have the frame of reference. You know, I had a conversation with David Banner once. I remember we were talking about our fathers and how much admiration we have for our fathers. And we and, and he, he jokingly says, he said, yeah, he said, sometimes I get in a situation I don't know what to do. And I would just think, well, what would my father do? And I would just do what my father would do. And I said, yeah, me too. Me too. I thank God that our fathers are not crazy and, and weak and ridiculous. Right. So um, so we created the Black Love Blueprint, which was a film with a bunch of 
uh, marital therapists and and really interesting stories and creative ways to display some of the the challenges that we've seen, some of the dysfunction. As kind of saying, look, if this is not part of your culture, then go learn a new culture. If this is not your family tradition, then learn a new tradition. Go to school, right? Like no, a role has the wife school, right? Go to school. Like all this stuff that you're trying to figure out is in a book somewhere. How to make good choices is in a book somewhere. Uh, so part of the reason I, I and, and I, I'll tell you guys, I, I get in, I, I get a lot of pushback sometimes because I go into Uncle Boyce mode and I start to share what I've seen. And I do that because I have a heart for young people, especially who never got the guidance. They, they just don't know. And they want to know. Like there are a lot of them that really want to know. You know, so, some some will ignore you. But a lot of them are like, well, what do we do? Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't plan for it to happen this way. So in, in fact, actually, before I show you guys the trailer, uh, I remember I had a conversation once with a woman who had six kids, six daddies. And, 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 and I mean, just fast. Like she was six for six. And I was like and, and I didn't I didn't judge. But I, I, I got a chance to really talk to her for a really long time. And I, I said, boys, you know, don't say anything that, that's going to be mean or judgmental. She's getting judged by the world already. She's a very nice lady, very smart. Um, and, uh, and, and, and she just talked me through the whole process of how it happened. And she literally was like, I didn't intend for this it to happen this way. Every time I thought it was going to work out and it just, you know, so I think a lot of times we just make mistakes and we don't know. Right. So I'm going to show you guys the trailer for this film and I like to get a response. I'll start with you, Madam President. Um, uh, after I show this trailer, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, particularly based on what you're seeing in the trailer here and uh, and how we can maybe move forward because we're solution oriented here, right? There's no point in talking about any of this if we don't have a solution. So let me pull this up on my screen. Uh, hopefully I won't mess up the technology because I always do. And so here's a trailer for a film that we made uh, in Brooklyn in the summer 2017 called The Black Love Blueprint. Here we go. Ask, is there something wrong with black relationships? For many of us, yes. We're subjected to racism systemically. We're subjected to violence within our community. We're subjected to violence outside of our community. And we're not dealing with the trauma that it causes. The psychological consequences of broken relationships is broken people. There's so many ways that when a relationship breaks down and ends, that it can leave people in a negative space. And you show up in the world depressed and defrocked, you're going to attract nobody or the wrong person. Black men and women are definitely at war. The issue is that we're fighting on the same side and sometimes we don't realize it. There is a war. But not all of us are involved in the war, are engaged in the war. So what we have to do to end the war is promote more positive images of us not at war together. We are all here with the common agenda, which is to heal Black relationships and focus on Black love. So how could we say that we are at war if we are all here in unity, moving in love? He showed me why I wanted to, to do for him what I had never done for anyone. He showed me why I was created to be his wife. I will never, ever forget that day. And I can't forget that day. Black love has changed our life tremendously. Black love has helped us build an empire. Yes. And black love is beautiful. Yeah. It was very important to me to be in a committed relationship, an intentionally committed relationship because I believe in nation building and to show other people that it could be done and that 
we might have to push through it, we might have to fight through something. But it's far more important to our legacy as black people to stay in a relationship and to win than to um, let, let outside forces break us down. Okay, so um, Madam President, Madam President, first of all, uh, let me give a shout out to uh, <clears throat> Dorian Chandler and S. Tia Brown, uh, the uh, produ- director and executive producer on this film. Um, and so it, it, let me um, ask you this, Madam President. When you saw that trailer, uh, did that spark any thoughts for you? I mean, it, it it's beautiful, number one. It You know, I love the what's happening, the conversation that's being held, and it's awesome. Obviously, the softer side of things, pulling the heartstrings there. <laughs> but I think that um, something that I think that we should keep in mind sometimes, I think we could be very instantaneous thought process where we just only focus on the now. The thing that I would like um, for anybody to walk away with is love isn't just about the year 2020 and 2021. Like Nomalanga said, it's it's the lifetime of a future, building um, homes and things and fixing the trauma that's happening within our communities. And it's not linear. So we need patience with one another. We need all the good stuff so that we can truly you know, progress in love. Other than that, you know, we're going to constantly, like the sister said, be in this hypnosis cycle and we can put an end to that. But the um, trailer sparked an interest or just really just highlighted that um, we are lovable. We come from love and we should stay rooted in it. Mm, Okay. Uh, So we come from love. We should stay rooted in it. Um, John, uh, your thoughts. uh, And I know you're a filmmaker also. By the way, uh, John's an award-winning filmmaker. And um, and Chanel's worked with a lot of great people uh, in the industry. I mentioned Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry and Ava DuVernay and a lot of other people. And uh, she's also the founder of the Freedom Company. That's the name of her her company. She, everybody should go check it out. They have really great products. And so, John, um, you know, as as a filmmaker and a person who understands the power of images and media and things like that, well, you saw the trailer. Did you did it sort of evoke any thoughts in your mind in terms of uh, where we are, where we need to go? Yeah, it, it evoked the uh, thoughts in my mind of what is not really being shown as much because like Ro was saying, and uh, like a lot of us were, I think Ro and uh, Madam President were saying, like media is extremely powerful. And I was talking earlier, how it constantly projects to us the, there's there's nothing wrong with, if if somebody in the comments, if they married outside of the race, if they're married, that's that's fine. As you know, as long as you are promoting black people and black love, but, there is an attack, a strategic attack showing that, you know, a black man should be with somebody other than his black woman and a black woman should be with somebody other than the black man. We're constantly showing that constantly. Showing. That's why I show it's like the Cosby show isn't on anymore because they, they, they don't want that positive view of a black family that loves one, a successful black family. They don't want it. Oh, and, and, and let's not forget that Bill Cosby is now the face of toxic masculinity. But go, go ahead, please continue. Right, exactly. So, I mean, that, that's that's not by accident. It didn't just happen. They did that on purpose. So we have to understand that we are being attacked. They are attacking our leaders that are helping helping us, either either not, not letting us get hypnotized by them, but hypnotizing us in the right way. They're showing us like, hey, yeah, believe in yourself. You can do this. You can be dope. You can have a beautiful Black family. You can be successful and, and Black and proud. 
You, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, this film definitely shows that, that we need to get back to the roots. And that goes back to what Malango was saying earlier, tradition, culture. We need that and to pr push that on through our generations. Like, I want my children to be successful. I want my children's children to be successful. Like, we need to stop just living so much in the now. And that's what America kind of pushes, their narrative. Like, live in the now, just go. Like, you listen to music, party. I'm going to spend my money this weekend. I'm supposed to pay rent. But screw it, I'm gonna turn it up. You know, it's just like I remember listening to that. I was just like, and it was what Pitbull, a Pitbull song, and I was just like, what the hell? What? You know, Nico singing all over the song. He sounds great, but I'm just this is a horrible message. You know, so, I got, I gotta go. Did, did he really say like I'm supposed to pay rent? Yeah, it was like I, I, I know, I know my rent was supposed to be paid about a week ago. Like I'm something like that. I, I'm, I'm about to get my lights cut off, but I, I don't care though. I'm gonna turn up this weekend or something like that. I forgot how the rest of the song goes. But they would play it like almost 24/7, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" Wow, <laughs> wow, that 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 is fascinating. And uh, and you know what what you said sparked a thought with me. And I I'd like and then after after I shared this quick thought, I'd love to get the panelists sort of closing um closing statement. Um, but uh, you know it, it's uh. It's like I think about another song about a guy, a rapper. Uh, what's his name? Uh, not uh, I forgot his name. Which rapper it was? But but I remember in his song, it was a really great song. But 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 one one of the lyrics was, "We gonna ball today, f tomorrow." Like I don't care about tomorrow. I'm gonna really live it up today, and that's a consistent thing. There's another one. Um, Two Chains had a song. I'm riding around and I'm getting it. It's mine. I spend it. It's mine. I spend it. So what they're kind of promoting. And this is no no accident. They're promoting um, instant gratification over delayed gratification. And what they don't understand is how deep that is. That's very, very deep. And it's very deep because when um, when a Yale professor measured which uh, cultures tend to have the most success, uh, the most prosperity and things like that, um, she actually said the Nigerian culture was, in her, her, her view, she wasn't black, but she, she said Nigerian culture is the strongest culture in the world in her view. And the three factors that she measured were um, were uh, uh, the, the, the amount of pride you have in your people, like just being proud of who you are, self-esteem, cultural self-esteem. Uh, number two was a commitment to education. Nigerians as a culture are very committed to education. And the last one was a commitment to delay gratification, the willingness to sacrifice today so that you can have more tomorrow, a willingness to sacrifice for future generations, uh, for your family, for something bigger than yourself, something long-term as opposed to short-term. And so, uh, you know, so, so that resonates with me as a, as a financial guy, because all investing is and wealth building, all that is, is delayed gratification. All it is, is planting a seed and letting your seed grow. And so when people have no harvest, they then say, well, I don't have anything. And you say, well, did you plant any seeds? And they're like, wait, you mean I have to plant seeds to have a harvest? <laughs> now, just that basic connection, people don't seem to get that. So what you are saying is very, very uh, serious and very, very deep. And if you look at the hypnotic power of music and media, uh, and you're seeping this into the subconscious of millions of people, you're, you're creating a blueprint for self-destruction, right? Mm. That, that, that's what you're basically doing. So, um, so, so I encourage everybody to really think about this. And uh, and to just kind of know that that delayed gratification is is really the, the most one of the most critical elements of success that there is. So uh, so I'd like to ask every panelist. Uh, we we can start with um, with Noma Langa and, uh, and and Madam President, and then Rowan and then John. Um, give me your final thought, maybe in sixty to ninety seconds. What was your final thought on where we are, where we can go, how we can do better? 
uh, so that we can all walk away with something positive. Everybody type the word positive in the chat, positive, 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 because that's where we want to go with this. We're not here to complain. We're here to fix and make ourselves better. So we'll start with you, Nomalanga. Uh, what do you think? You know, you were talking about the lady with um, the six children by six men. Um, and then you kind of said, um, you know, you said two things. You said, I'm not judging her. And then the second thing you said was um, uh, she didn't really, she said she didn't know what happened. But there's no person that doesn't know how a baby's made. Um, so <laughs> um, so she, she knew, right? And I think that we need to reshape um, the way we perceive the word judging, because one of the things that I know about, um, not that I'm the, you know, the, the picture of, of perfection or anything like that, but people who tend to have done well um, and have made their parents proud um, are very scared of being judged um, by the right people. Um, one of the things that I grew up deathly afraid of was disappointing my father, disappointing my family, humiliating our family, um, you know, dragging their name in the mud. I still feel that way. Um, and uh, that that causes me to conduct myself in a certain way. Now, if you look at the mainstream culture, it always says, you know, don't judge me. Um, don't, you know, don't, I can't remember. There's always, there's always the little cliche things that we say, um, but ultimately yeah, it means no that Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately it boils down to I can do whatever I want, um, but then when I have the wrong um, results, I still want people to feel sorry for me because I got the wrong results. Um, so the two things that we need to do is understand that consequences, um, there, there are consequences. Um, and if you decide that you want the freedom to do anything, be anything or whatever, um, then those consequences are not going to be um, something that we can turn around and say we're not judging you for because we should be judging you. <laughs> that, mm. that, that's, I mean, even our own children, that's how we um, tell them right from wrong. You judge their behavior and you say, this part is okay, do this, you'll be successful if you do this, and this is not okay, and the bad things will happen if you do this. But we are creating this culture of where it's almost like we pretend there are no consequences, but they are because we're all living. And if we're not living with it, we're seeing other people living with it. Um, and then this whole ju don't judge me culture, we absolutely need to judge each other. We absolutely need to raise our standards. We absolutely need to hold each other accountable. Um, mm. So I always worry when somebody says, don't judge me, because they're, they're going down a, a road that you, you know is going to have some horrible consequences. Wow, I think that's a powerful thing. I mean, if you think about a society at large and a civilized culture, you have judges, uh, you have juries and verdicts and and uh, defendants and victims. And and I think that the crazy thing about what you just said is that um, if I were to take that step and, and judge the choice you made, uh, I might find you guilty, but you're also the victim, right? You know, you 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 are guilty of being a perpetrator against yourself, right? You've ruined your own life. And, and and then you're right. If you if you're too flimsy about sort of uh, clear accountability or or clear um, or just honesty, how about honesty? Um, then you can allow a person to go through life and say, "Gosh, I, I keep being a victim, and I have no idea who the perpetrator is." And, you know, somebody needs to go find the black man who did this to me, right? And, and it's not no, no. You, I know you want to blame the black man because everybody blames the black man for everything that goes wrong in their life, but we but we didn't do that. You know, John didn't do that. I, I don't see John going around ruining people's lives, right? But uh, like, like, but like you said, you know, if you 
are, you know, if you get to your thirties and, and you've been running wild with, with, with dating thugs and, and putting yourself in crazy situations, but then you want to go to the nice guy, John, and say, don't judge me, but I got five <laughs> kids by five thugs who might come to your house and beat your ass because they don't like you. Like <laughs> John and John don't want to be a part of that. He don't want no parts of that. Then, then don't, you know, who, whose fault is that? Right. And then, and then, then, and then what some people will do is they'll blame John. Right, John, you're too judgmental. Like, no, John, John, you know, made certain choices, right, in his life. And I think, and, and, and it's not a gender bias sort of thing. I want to put it that way because you can flip the genders very easily on that. And I, and I think that you're right, though. If without accountability, then you have no um, core uh, in, in terms of who you are. So, uh, Madam President, uh, your, your final thought. Yeah, I just want to say, first of all, you know, it's been a pleasure with everybody on the panel, but. Uh, my final thoughts is um, let love liberate. You know, we know where we come from in this country in the past that we've had, but we have to continue to fight against all the things that's in front of us to, you know, to be healthy, to to live and lead healthy lives. And we can't be bogged down just to our experiences. Sometimes once you have experiences, if it's bad and it's in love, you know, you can release that. You don't have to hold on to it. Um, we should be building families. And most of all, we should be building communities. We should have a new standard because the one that was put in front of us and before us, it's not the road that we want to go down. So I think we should let love liberate and we are not each other's en enemy. As I always say, white supremacy is our enemy. Mm, there we go. I like that. Um, okay. Uh, Miss Rowe, your final I thought. Wanted to, I wanted to say that um, as African blooded people, it is important for us to understand that we have power. We are powerful minded people and that we have this human consciousness aspect that we all need to understand that there are those who feel that they are being forced in life. And those are the people who we're talking about who we can be become very disappointed and who feel like they're victims of their circumstance. And then there are people who know that they have power in order to transform our people from the lower level forced people into people who are powerful, they need to be able to consciously understand that they are powerful, they have choices, and that their choices matter. And, and in life school, if you come to us and you have children, you've made bad choices, you haven't been married, so forth and so on, and you want to seek learning and guidance and help, and then we tell you clearly, if you get pregnant before marriage, you're out of white school. We cannot accept you doing what you know is wrong when you have been taking, you have to know that you are accountable for your own choices. When people have a problem with accepting their choices, when people have a problem with accepting criticism, which affects their choices, we often tell them, listen, you're overreacting to normal criticism. You need to understand that we can see and tell that it's because you didn't have a father as a child and as a teenager, as a young adult, who was there to correct you and to criticize you and love you inside of your home. And so now you do not associate criticism with love. You think that people who criticize you are out to get you when literally we could just save our time and go do something else. So I want to say that um, that accountability aspect is a huge piece that is missing in our culture. And it is not 
something to take lightly to believe that, you know, the film that you were showing about Black love and how um, powerful it can be. Black love can be incredibly powerful. Black love is incredibly powerful. But uh, a lot of people think that it doesn't matter if they marry outside of their culture. It matters. It does matter. You need to marry a Black person. You need to marry an African-blooded person who knows that they are African-blooded. Because if we're going to be powerful, we're going to have to continue to do Mar to marry in, with other people in our culture. We can have great successful marriages outside of our culture, but that money is gonna keep leaving our culture because of that particular marriage. And it's not helpful. It is not helpful at all. I know people who are married to people outside of our culture and they often have felt like they didn't have enough choices. I understand. But if you come to us and you expect us to pacify you and tell you that it's okay that you married somebody who was not African, you're wrong. We're not going to do it. We're never going to tell you that. We, I was born into a family that was extremely militant. My parents were Black Panthers. We came, both of my parents come from New Orleans. In New Orleans, we had an extreme amount of power as Black people that we will, are never willing to let go by blending too much with the people who want to take our power. It doesn't make any sense. It is important to understand. We need to stay marrying Black people. American Black people can do very well marrying with African people. They have good families. They may not have as much money as us, but their wealth is in the wealth of quality of their family and we have crappy families and more money. So there needs to be an even exchange. Don't judge those African people thinking they don't have as much money as you. They generally, they, you, in my opinion, they have more than you with less money. They have more than most Americans with less money. In Family Matcher, our, my husband and I do Family Matcher and we are so serious. We will match two Americans, but one American, one of those people who are being matched needs to come from a two-parent home. Mm. Both people marrying from a single-parent home are just going down, creating dysfunction, and they're, they're not going to have generational success. Their children will suffer. Their gender roles will be all mixed up. We're not going to have boys become men, and we're not going to have girls become women. We have too much, too already too many, masculine females and feminine soft males. And we don't need that. We need to get back to Africa where women know how to be feminine from the inside out and where men know how to be masculine with their protection and their providing. So many people ask me, what does masculinity mean? I'm in shock, but I answer the question. Masculinity is the instinct to protect and provide for one woman and her offspring. Even a man who may have multiple wives still focusing on one woman. And feminine mm, wow. instinct, femininity is the instinct to nurture others. Women who talk about nurturing themselves first so that they can nurture their family, they're all wrong. You're supposed to teach your family how to treat you. And it goes in a circle. 
Mm. Well, you know, that, that's so funny you mentioned that. And um, and then before uh, before we go to John on his final, on his closing remark, um, I remember one time Alicia and I were out running and um, and that, that was part of my uh, my, my process. Uh, if you guys saw videos of me five years ago, you, you would know the fat voice. I used to be I used to be a chubby guy and I, I get mortified when I look at you know my videos from five years ago. I can't imagine what I'd look like now if, if, if I hadn't you know if I hadn't let her uh, change me and get me out here running. So we're out running. And I'm hopping along, and and I hate running, by the way. But I I just but I didn't want to die, so <laughs> it was a bad, it was a crazy choice. And so we're out here running, and we're running down this uh, path uh, that's next to a creek. And on this uh, narrow path, we suddenly see this uh, goose, and this goose is sitting standing in the middle of the path, like like a gangster, like he's like, you know, you don't want none of this, right? And I'm like, you're just a goose, like I'm a man, like I. I'm not, birds don't scare me. And so I started moving. We we said, okay, well, let's just run around the goose. So we try to run around the goose. The goose moves over and gets in our way. And so we go the other way. He moves over the other way. And then I I start moving closer and he starts, his neck starts to get really long. Like he's stretching himself to be tall. Like, like I will really, I'm I'm about to whoop your ass. I'm like, what is going on? This is gangster goose. Is like stopping us from pa- passing down this road. And then I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to get pumped by a goose. So I start, I take another step and then he makes some weird noise and <laughs> like, like he's ready to fight me to the death. So I was like, okay, <laughs> what is going on? And I looked over to the side and I saw that his, uh, his woman was sitting on an egg and she was just sitting there just you know, like, like didn't have a care in the world. Didn't even know what was, that it was about to go down between me and her husband. Right? And, uh, and she's just sitting there and she's just, you know, as relaxed as she could be. And she's feeling well protected. And because her husband was like, I got this baby, I got this. You just go take care of the kids. I got this. Right. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing, right. That's really interesting. Right. You know, nobody taught this goose to do these things. He didn't go to college. He's not, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to read. He's not, you know, so, so I, I, that made me really think about what you're talking about. Just the nature of masculinity, provide, protect the nature of femininity, what that looks like. Right. And, uh, and I said, this goose understands more about his masculine nature than a lot of human beings understand. Mm -hmm. Like, like you have to be deep. You have to have that program out of you to, to not understand you know how how you were made, how God made you from from day one, right? So so that story about the goose always stuck with me. I, said, <laughs> I, I didn't mess with the goose. We went the other way, right? I don't know who would have won the fight, but I wasn't about to test my luck because this goose look. I, I've never in my life been intimidated by a bird, right? So, anyway, anyway, okay. So John, uh, what what what's your what's your closing uh, remark here? How can we walk away from this as better people? Um, I, I'll just say that we must protect our black men and black men. We must protect our black women. Like, I can't say this enough. It's, it's not enough for me to only, uh, shield black men from attacks, uh, from our enemy. If we aren't doing the same thing for a black women who are also fighting daily alongside us, they fight with us alongside us. We must fight together in love, support, and trust, and have pride in, in Black love, promote Black love, uh, and re-educate ourselves on what submission truly means. 
like don't let our enemy like white supremacy constantly tell us what love is supposed to mean like it, they they are they are running us into the ground they're running this world into the ground and like the world is starting to become more and more and more loveless because it's becoming so selfish now uh yet we have enough love to love everybody in the world because we constantly do we're constantly loving everybody giving love to this community that community this community that community except for ourselves yeah. like we need to start turning that love inwards and reshape the world as we see fit you know in the right way and and we can do it so uh we have that god given love and that birth came from us we just have to reclaim it and and be proud in our one-of-a-kind love we have the power we had it all along uh, we just need to start believing in it, believing in ourselves and in our black men and women. And I haven't given up and you shouldn't either. So mm. black love, black power. Well, I like I that. Oh, 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 go, go, go ahead. What, what'd you say? I just, it, it's so real because yeah, all lives matter. Okay. Yeah. On the surface they do, but we truly need to focus on ourselves. It, every other group focuses on themselves to make sure that they are secure. When we have melanin deficient people who are constantly trying to get into white school, and I mean constantly, and paying the 30 whole thousand dollars, okay? Mm. They're constantly trying to get in and we say, sorry, this is not for you. They become in shock because we reject their money. <laughs> if we were to let them in, things would be easier for us because more of our African blooded people would accept white school for being a good thing if they saw them inside of it. Mm, mm -hmm. But so many times people couldn't like to forget. And I say to the melanin, de melanin deficient people, we need to focus on ourselves. We mm. need to be able to focus on our success because our people are going extinct. And do you know that they say to me, fair enough. Mm, I love it. Well, you know, and I agree with that. Um, the same thing with the black business school. Uh, I put the word black in there deliberately um, to make sure we were never tempted to try to be something other than what we were supposed to be. And uh, and every time we come on the podcast, you guys know this, put your hashtag B1 in the chat if you know what that means. Hashtag B1, black first. We focus on ourselves first. We save ourselves before we go save the world. Uh, because uh, and, and that's a deprogramming process because uh, we have been trained for hundreds of years to save other people. Uh, if you read Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, Dr. Claude Anderson talks about meritorious manumission where slaves were rewarded for saving white people. That was how you got status. That was how you got your freedom. Uh, one black man um, snitched on a slave revolt and saved the white people in town. They gave him a statue. The statue was up for 100 years. They gave him freedom. They gave him money. Uh, so he became the man you know, because he saved white people. I really want to say that as black people, we need to understand that that does not mean that we're stupid. The reason that we do this is because our compassion, our human level is higher. We have more compassion than other people. When you have more compassion than other people, it means that your human consciousness level is actually higher. Mm. It goes back to the intelligence thing. It doesn't mean we're stupid. It actually means we're more intelligent. We're able to love a bunch of people. And most people on earth can love two people. Mm. But the natural African person can love a whole bunch of people with genuine, with genuine love, like the gentleman was saying earlier before. We also have Black Wealth U, Black Wealth University. And that's where people go for their wife school studies. Mm. And we put the word Black on purpose, too. 
you know, so that people know, listen, this is our thing. Mm, I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, we, we got, we got our final statements from all of our, our panelists. Um, and so I, I want to say thank you very much for a great conversation. We have, we have gone on for an hour and 35 minutes and six seconds. And that is, uh, that is, that seems like a perfect time for us to say uh, that uh, we are glad we, we did this. I think that we're all better. Um, I hope you guys will join me in giving a digital thank you, a digital round of applause to the panelists, Noma Langa Mushali Moses. Uh, by the way, Noma's uh, website, I didn't get a chance to mention it. Noma um, does uh, free homeschool Q&A sessions every uh, Thursday. Uh, so if you're looking for ways to homeschool your kids more effectively, you can go to the blackhomeschoolnetwork.com, T-H-E, theblackhomeschoolnetwork.com. Uh, also, Ro, uh, what's the URL for the wife school? Uh, Black Wealth U. Oh, Black Wealth U. Black oh, wealth. Okay. You. Black wealth. Yeah. You. A black and we call you. it black wealth because you know family creates wealth. But our focus is for family um, generational studies. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And John, um, by the way, your your film, the, the JT effect, was that was that a movie you made? Oh no, that's not, that's my podcast. Oh, okay. the JT. Yeah, yeah. E- Emotocall is a movie, the short film. I yeah, know. yeah. Emotocall so a- won some awards, and so you, you should go look up John JT JT Slim Cutters. How you follow him? Uh, also, uh, JT Effects is the name of his podcast. He's also made a, an award winning film called uh, uh, Say the Emotocall. Yeah, emoticon. It's like emotion, emotion and rational put together. All so right, emoticon. Yeah. And uh, Chanel, Madam President, uh, what what is the URL for the for the uh, the freedoms? Uh, wait, is it the, the freedom store or? Oh, hold on. Wait, let me turn this up. Let me, let me turn you on. Say it again. Oh, it's the freedom dot company. Oh, freedom company. Freedom. Okay, so it's the freedom dot company. Yeah. Okay, the freedom.company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and by the way, panels, when, when you guys come in, uh, feel free to put your URL right there next to your name. That way, when I pop it up there, we'll, we'll get it right. Make sure everybody knows about what you guys have going on. So uh, I want to say thank you very much to the panelists. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. And also, uh, with uh, as far as uh, the film division goes, you guys know we're taking over black media. I'm announcing that now. We, we're already reaching a million black people a week. Uh, we're gonna eventually we're gonna go to two million, five million, ten million uh, because we are taking over media. Uh, black media is rising all over the place. You got Vicky Dillard who's who's talking to a million people a week. Like we, we're shifting narratives, and, and this is a strategy. So uh, we'd love your support and participation in this. Two things going on. Number one, two things you can do is share this video. If you could, please uh, hit the link, grab the link, and share it to your social media. Uh, give me a yes in the chat if you if you agree to do that. Uh, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Also, uh, we work with black filmmakers, a lot of great black filmmakers in our community that should get mainstream attention. So we are using the platform to, to give them the exposure they deserve, support they deserve. So two film projects that we're connected with that we uh, want you to know about great movies. One, is we do Black Movie Night about once a month, blackmovienight.net. That's the URL on the screen. Our next film is on the 17th. It is, we're bringing in filmmaker Mark Harris. Mark Harris, you've seen his films on BET and, and TV One and a lot of places, and his film is called Stock Option. Mark has agreed to come in and show his film for free. So uh, we, we need you to show up. Uh, we, we It won't cost you a penny. Go to blackmovienight.net. 
Uh, just get your pass, click the link and register. And we're going to watch that film together and have a panel discussion after the film about the film with the director. He's going to bring a couple of the actors, et cetera. It's a high quality, high quality project. Mark was a high quality guy an excellent filmmaker, and he's openly rejected Hollywood. He's been invited to Hollywood. They offered him millions of dollars. He said, I don't want to be a part of that culture because I have a culture. He's in Inglewood, a part of Chicago that doesn't get a good reputation, but he's he's resurrecting Inglewood uh, you know, with, with his film festival. So blackmovienight.net is how you can register. Another film is Happy, H-A-P-I. Happy, I'm an executive producer on the film Happy. It was made by Taki Grant. It took five years to make this movie and a lot of money that Taki put into this film. What Taki did was he went, he traveled all throughout the world on his own dime, and he basically established, along with a series of black experts, the roots of modern economics and how it goes back to ancient Africa, how mm-hmm. Africans were responsible for pretty much all the economic systems that exist right now that Europeans take credit for. Uh, he did an excellent job. It's a super high quality film. Uh, and so you can feel free to go to blackmovienight.net as well to get a, a ticket to that screening. Now, that one's not free, but Black Movie Night, the, the Mark Harris's film won't cost you anything. But I encourage you to take participate in both. Uh, so uh, the last piece here is if you have an interest in real estate, the Black Business School has Black Real Estate Weekend, which takes place on the 19th. So if you have an interest in buying a home, a multifamily property, tax lien investing, whatever the case may be, you can go register for that at blackrealestateweekend.com. All right. So I'm done. I'm out of breath. There's, there was a lot to say, uh, but we have a lot going on. We're not just sitting here talking. We're not talking about it. We are about it. We're not just, you know, yapping. We're building. So uh, so let's let's keep building. Let's keep making ourselves strong. And thank you guys again. I appreciate all of your time. And uh, we'll see you all soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you.